In old school games, life is cheap. Don't be a dope. Bring your pole, oil, and rope. And try not to go down in a heap. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Down in a Heap podcast. I'm your host, Rob, podcasting to you live from beautiful Northeast Minneapolis. I've got about 20 minutes before I need to go to work here today, so I'm gonna try and squeeze in something quick. I had a bowl of booberry that I'd been hoarding away. I've still got a box of Count Chocula too from the um, monster cereal release around Halloween. So I'm all fueled up and ready to go. It's another random thought Saturday, but first I had a call from Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Take it away, Jason. Okay, I'll play the dissenting opinion. I don't think you should have a tribute mod or a tribute requirements for champions. I, I think if somebody's going to follow that deity and, and you know be a champion for that deity, it shouldn't necessarily require any tributes. So don't be an elitist like Evil Jeff wants wants you to be. It should there shouldn't be anything for it. It's like a witch. A witch shouldn't need any attributes. All a witch has to do is you know sell her soul to Satan, right? So there shouldn't be any any tribute minimums at all for a witch, and there shouldn't be any for a champion. They're selling their soul to the whatever deity they're following, so they you know they should take whatever they can get. Just just my two cents. Yeah, that's a pretty good point uh, that you have there, Jason. I suppose you are just kind of sealing a pact and. Maybe you shouldn't have any kind of requirements beyond, um, you know, the willingness to do that. I do want to have, if I'm going to use the champion concept, I do want to have it more on a, uh, or have some kind of level requirement before you can make that pact. Just because I think it's kind of odd that some power would tap a complete novice to be <laughs> to be their champion. Um, I think it should be uh, a character that's a little bit, little bit higher level, and uh, I kind of chose the charisma minimum requirement because I was thinking that you had to have some kind of pizzazz about your character, something that would uh, I don't know draw the attention of the powers or something. And I suppose um, at the root of it, I was. Modeling it a bit on the old uh, AD&D Paladin, where you needed a 17 to in charisma to qualify for a Paladin. So talk about elitism. Whew. But thanks for the call. Now let's go on to the random thoughts. Like many of you, we're not doing any face-to-face -face gaming lately, so we've been looking into options and kind of settled on just using Google Hangouts had a couple group conversations and then on Wednesday Bill stepped up and ran a quick like one shot Delta Green scenario just to see how it worked and you know it went pretty smooth we had uh, four players plus Bill running the game we had a little bit and it seems like it's um, I don't know from listening to other people talk about online gaming there always seems to be some kind of technical snafu at the beginning where you're trying to, someone has trouble getting connection or has some kind of issue with uh, their battery almost being dead or something like that. And yeah, we 
we had that a little bit, but once we got rolling, there were no connection issues. Um, didn't really seem like there was any kind of uh, problem with playing online. I think it's best to, you know, just having this very limited experience, it seems like it's best to probably do something really simple. And, um, you know, we're not using any kind of die rolling app, or at least, well, maybe one person was, I don't know. I was just rolling my dice because, you know, I got to have the tactile feel of rolling the dice. I, it just seems weird uh, having like a random number generator or something. But anyway, uh, Bill was running it theater of the mind. It was really more, I mean, there was a one combat sequence, but uh, it was more or less just uh, to test run this procedure and it went well. So I'm hopeful that we can uh, get back on a regular schedule and start doing some regular gaming again, because I think we all miss it. And if nothing else, it's been fun just seeing everyone and having a so, BS session again. So as I alluded to in my cast yesterday, I did finally get, well, not finally, I got some feedback from the guys in one of the one of our BS sessions on Hangouts about, you know, where they want this game, this upcoming game to go and suggestions and things. And, uh, I, I don't know, I guess it's careful what you wish for, <laughs> but, uh, a, a couple of the guys seem to be interested in pushing a game more in a post-apocalyptic kind of genre. And, uh, so I decided to to you know just embrace that and go that route I, I really like the genre and i i mean it's there's so many different options just like fantasy there's so many different options and really i know a lot of people have argued that many of the D D tropes actually could easily be cast in a post-apocalyptic light i think like the old tech ml setting is uh, based around that and yeah i mean it's it's easy enough to reskin things and you know, I know that I have Mutant Crawl Classics from Goodman Games. I could use that system. Um, I've also got the f uh, free artless version of Mutant Future from Goblinoid Games, which is using the, the BX chassis and is basically just an emulation of the old 1st, 2nd edition Gamble World, which is really cool, and I I really like the fact that it's... You know, a BX chassis and really MCC kind of is too, but you know, I want to keep things simple. I'd, I'd like to keep things easy for the players and not introduce a lot of new game systems. The thing I really am concerned about with MCC, just like DCC, is all the tables. And uh, I think it does play a little bit clunky at the table. Um, and that might even be worse in an online situation. If someone's flipping through a book for the right table and it might be hard enough to keep people's attention um, in an online game. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but I guess in general, I, the DCC, MCC chassis, it's also really swingy and D&D is already a really swingy game. I've talked about this before. So, and you know, Mutant Future, even though it is BX compatible, there's a lot different, just like old Gamma World from AD&D. First and foremost, the hit points. You start out with uh, a hit die for each point of constitution you have. So if you've got like a 
a mutant with a 12 constitution, they'd have 12d6 hit points to start out with. So you're really raising the bar there. And I know the <clears throat> the monsters are kind of scaled to, for appropriate things like that and advanced weaponry and things can do a lot of damage. But I think like a club is still a club. So you got to like bash someone <laughs> a lot with a club to take them down. Um, and if I added like just a BX magic to it, I think the the magic would be pretty meaningless. I mean, shooting someone with a magic missile for a D6 plus one damage when they've got like 30, 40 hit points is starting to get kind of, I don't know, what's the point? Other than, I suppose they auto hit, but anyway. Um, and then Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast pointed me to a mutant future... Um, adaptation for Thunder the Barbarian and you know that looks really cool too and it might be something I eventually try but for now I think I am just going to reskin BX in a post-apocalyptic light um, I'm going to for the races class I'm going to uh, choose different races from the, the standard halfling dwarf elf thing uh, I know I'm going to do like a ratling so a rat folk kind of thing for the halfling niche to be filled uh for the elf i think i'm going to do some kind of like lizard like creature or something that's magical and i think i'm going to have the you know the actual cause of the apocalypse be some kind of planar collision or ripping or something that allowed some you know magic or some kind of other force to creep in to the current setting and uh, and that explains the presence of arcane energy and things like that and a lot of like the crazy creatures and stuff um, the dwarf is the one thing I haven't really settled on what I'm going to do to reskin that um, and you know I'm, I'm going to keep a lot of the same the cross plains western idea I'm going to keep a lot of those ideas so I'm going to try and focus on monsters like from the fiend folio and you know the whole like lost plains area and you know, trying to introduce things you know western themes and stuff so i don't know maybe the the genetic makeup of this campaign is something like 60 percent fantasy 30 percent post-apocalyptic and 10 percent western and i'm casting a wide net for inspiration so Gamma World, MCC, Mutant Future, all those kind of lean into the whole, like, um, Earth in a distant future. I mean, it could be thousands of years in the future. It could be just decades or a century or something in the future. But it it's... They both, or all of them, seem to run on the assumption that it's it's an Earth setting that's been, you know, taken down by some kind of, you know, the traditional nuclear... Uh, exchange or a pandemic or a combination of those things um, a runaway comet hurtling between the moon and the earth cracking the moon <laughs> sound familiar um, and of course they, they also have a lot of the kind of gonzo like crazy mutants plantians mutant animals and there's often a lot of kind of goofiness and comic uh, elements baked into the setting. 
and that, you know, while that's fun, and I do, I love comedy and stuff, and I, I like having laughter in the game and everything, but as I've pointed out before, we, we tend to crack up and make jokes a lot already without uh, that baked-in stuff, so I'd, I'd rather kind of, uh, I don't know, rein in the gonzo a little bit and, uh, and have it hew more towards a, a fantasy setting that we're more familiar with and have more magic, but but I do want to have, you know, high-tech elements, and I've I've looked at a few sources. The Dark Sun setting from 2nd Edition D&D is, you know, really a post-apocalyptic setting, and there's a lot of really good stuff in there. Uh, the themes of that seem to revolve around, A, it's a desert, and there was some kind of magical decay magic causes or draws upon life forces that sap the plants and animals and stuff so they've extended or excessive magic use has basically turned the world into a wasteland and because of that uh, magic users are pretty much reviled and uh, and hated but ironically the city states that have risen up in this wasteland are all ruled by sorcerer kings who keep the populace under their thumb Slavery is another huge uh, element to the game. Um, resource poor. I mean, there's very little water. It's a desert world. There's very little metal, very little wood. So stone and obsidian and um, bone kind of tools are kind of the norm. Metal being incredibly valuable and more effective in combat. There's also psionics is pervasive in the system, and it's really geared more high power. Player characters start out rolling like 44 plus 4 for their attributes, so you can have anywhere from an 8 to a 20 or something. You start out at third level, and there's just this feel of power creep in it. The monsters are typically a lot more powerful, too, and... Um, and they all, almost all of them are psionic. All the player characters usually have some kind of wild, wild talent, at least. And I, while I like the Dark Sun setting, I ran it a few times, uh, never really went anywhere, but I really like it. It went a bridge too far to me. I, I've always been a little uncomfortable with the idea of psionics, and especially if you have psionics and magic. I don't like the uh, combination for whatever reason, I'd just rather have an either-or situation. And if it was just a, a game that had psionics and no magic, I think that could be really cool. Uh, but I tend to just, like, say, nope, no psionics. And the other area where I think it really dropped the ball is, and I'm sure it was, you know, a, an attempt to just keep it D&D uh, still, but the, the choice to still keep halflings, dwarves, and elves and half-elves in the game, I thought was just kind of dumb. If you're going to make it this completely weird alien setting, why do you still keep the fantasy tropes? And they, and they, you know, reskin things. The halflings are cannibals and the elves are these dune runners. And I don't, it, I mean, they did a decent enough job with it, but why even continue on with the whole Tolkien angle? But anyway, I'm going to lean into the some of the Dark Sun elements in this. I, I'm going to have uh, uh, the game basically 
being in this uh, large city-state. The Dice Roll Zine um, by Steve C. from the Dice Roll Zine Rhymeball cast. He has some uh, in his first two issues. Uh, the, his setting, The Wastelands of Kreth, has some pretty cool stuff. I'm going to borrow heavily from that. Uh, there's also this supplement from uh, for BRP from Chaosium called Chronicles of Future Earth, I think. That has some cool elements, and uh, yeah, but, you know, I was planning on also having more tactical elements in a kind of a reskinning of BX, but in light of the whole online gaming thing and trying to keep it simple, I'll probably just, you know, continue to use really simple BX mechanics for a lot of those things, but anyway, that's what I'm kind of working on right now. If you have any kind of ideas, uh, comments for what I've laid out here, suggestions, if you've run like Dark Sun before, what did you like about that? If you run a lot of post-apocalyptic games like Gamma World and stuff, what do you like about that? I still might have things like mutations. In fact, I almost certainly will have mutants and stuff. I just don't know if I want the player characters to at least start out as mutants. Maybe they could be exposed to different things that would... Uh, that would create those kinds of things, and they might be good or bad. I also want to have some uh, futuristic weapons, and I'm going to have, uh, I think within the city-state there's going to be some kind of uh, consortium or uh, corporation or something that has discovered the secrets to making some of these flame lances and stun batons and advanced weaponry, whatever. Um, and of course they outfit the, the higher ups within the society and their, their, uh, soldiers with these items. So it's more proprietary kind of information and, uh, hard to get by maybe on the black market or just, you know, taking out someone that has it. That's how you acquire that stuff. But, um, I'll probably have some kind of element that's required to, make these power cells that power the items or something. So that's going to be some element that uh, people are chasing after. And then I'll probably have, uh, like I had for the Lost Plains idea, some kind of arcane element too that uh, is in high demand. So the the characters, I think, will be these wasteland wanderers uh, looking to scrounge up artifacts from the apocalypse and these different uh, resources that are in demand and maybe they'll make trips to the city-state and back um, and have some urban adventures as well too but yeah we'll just see what happens and until I talk to you again I gotta get to work so don't go down in a heap <laughs>